Artifacts. I'm your host, Marissa Dickens, and today's guests are the members of Toledo's synth-pop band, Bliss Nova, so please help me welcome brothers Daniel and Joe Terzinski. You got um, our name right, too. We, hey! we, uh... <laughs> I, was, I always stress about that. Honestly, I'm like, oh, please say it right. Please say it right. It's a tough one, and people butcher it, and I understand why, you know, it's... It's Polish, it's right? The ski at the end? Yep. yep. Lots of consonants. Oh, yeah. So I discovered, I think I discovered you guys' work either like either Instagram or the Toledo City Paper did like a follow on Instagram, whatever. And so I looked you up and your music and I absolutely fell in love. I think like the grooviness as a dancer myself, I love the like subtle dance vibes behind it and the synthy dreamy vibes. And so I wanted to have you on to talk about how you got started. How is it working with your brother, with each other and just like yeah. weird steps? Because I'm excited this new music that you've been putting out. So yeah, I can take a stab and Daniel could, I guess, fill in some things. But we were in a band prior to Bliss Nova with our other brother. And that sort of just came to an end in uh, like 2014. He was going through some health struggles and, you know, it was just it, it, he wasn't able to keep making music at that time. And Daniel and I were still had the itch. So we were just talking and like, hey, should we do a spinoff of this band? And we were kind of, kind of toying around with what to do. And then it's like, nah, let's just start totally from scratch with our own fresh, you know, ideas and where it could be whatever we want it to be. Mm-hmm. And then Daniel, who had, n- had never been a main singer or writer in a band, just kind of started developing ideas. I mean, I knew he had, you know, talents enough to come up with stuff. He's always been super gifted, like growing up as a kid, like maybe three years old, he could barely reach the piano keys. And my mom, who's a very like amazing piano player and taught us all to play piano, he would reach up there and touch the keys and and play the right notes as just like a little baby. So he's so intuitive and had and like anyone that has that level, you know, is, they can play any instrument at some point. And I was never that person. I was just so bad at, at piano. I just wanted to play like the fun stuff like Batman, you know, like theme song, Mission Impossible. And stuff like that. And then eventually went to drums. But the point is, Daniel, I I was like, you know what? I'm just going to empower you. Like, go develop ideas. And I was so surprised with what he came back with and so impressed because I thought it was just going to be like fragments of ideas. And they were like fully fleshed out songs, which was our first EP. And we didn't have to do a ton of work to get that EP to the finish line. We just went into a studio and kind of touched some stuff up. I played some drums and whatever. But so that we were kind of off and running pretty quickly with that project. And, you know, we've been at it ever since. And like you said, with Always Be Young, that's our newest single. You know, we we felt really good about that song. So it's cool to, to uh, kind of, in talking to you a, a bit, that's one you gravitated towards. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of, my, those are my initial thoughts. I don't know what else, Daniel, if you want to add anything. Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much said it all. I had written songs kind of just... I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just would open up GarageBand. And actually prior to that on our family PC, I had this program that was, um, you can make a free one minute or technically 59 seconds of free MIDI music 
And anything beyond that, you'd have to pay for the program. And I, of course, was not going to do that. So I was just experimenting with dragging and dropping notes and changing the length of them on the, the little time uh, scrolly thing and making different kinds of songs. They all kind of sounded the same because they were made with MIDI instruments. But um, I was just trying my hand at different styles. And I didn't really have a specific type of thing that I was making. But I ended up discovering a lot of types of music across the spectrum, ambient music, folk music, and all kinds of, and synth pop, a lot of stuff from the 70s and 80s. And so when this problem of our band kind of dissolving um, without expecting it happened, I didn't really know what we were supposed to do. Like Joel said, it was like, is this a spinoff band where we're like, it's like the Heartbreakers with Tom Petty and like, (laughs) but... (laughs) So when I brought stuff back to Joel, it decidedly was not the heartbreakers. It, it was um, kind of like you described it. I don't know where it came from. It kind of was just like my personality and mixing my various interests um, and in a very simple and simplistic way, too, because I was recording it, didn't even have a keyboard. I was just using my um, kind of like on screen virtual keyboard to create the stuff. So, yeah, just kind of gave a sense of what was to come. And ever since then, I've added in, like I, I picked up the bass and learned enough to be able to play parts, even like some samples and all kinds of stuff, just anything that I can get my hands on, but not to become an expert in it. It's more just like, I want to bring in all the things that I like to hear and I want to put them in one place. And that's Bliss Nova in a, in a soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say your first exposure then to music was your mom playing piano? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, she, every Saturday morning, we would wake up to her with her students playing hot cross buns or, (laughs) you know, whatever she would have some advanced students too. And um, we'd have to sneak down to go get breakfast and go play video games or whatever we would be doing. But yeah, I mean, even in our dreams kind of were like being inundated with music and speaking yeah, the and house. that translated to also, uh, since our mom played music in the church, we would also be probably sleeping during church and kind of like hearing the music. I remember the the organ uh, drone would like, I could feel it in my body and it would put me to sleep. So, yeah, I mean, I really shaped <laughs> me. <laughs> no, that is true. We were literally like constantly getting inundated with music. We were surrounded by it. I'm not saying it's always the best music either. Although I do like some gospel stuff, some of it's interesting, but that that's what it was. A lot of like kind of bad church music. And I don't mean like they performed it bad. I just mean like the style of music it is, is inherently not music I like or that I consider good. And they performed that well. So I do think there's something to that. Like my mom was talented enough and the people, most of them were decently talented. And, and in fact, that's where I started playing drums was with, like church choir and church services. So there is something to be said of like getting to be around music a lot, regardless of like what style it is, because it starts opening up possibilities within you that you don't realize yet. It's planting seeds really. And that's where I was able to just grow as a drummer. So we all kind of got that start, like in the church world. Mm -hmm. But I guess hearing Daniel say that is sort of like, oh yeah, we were literally sleeping you know, and hearing music. So it was just constantly going. Even after service, we would, uh, I mean, I did anyways, like sneak down and pick up the random saxophone or accordion and just kind of like play around with stuff. Yeah, and so we, not everyone necessarily had that experience since we were the music director's kids. 
we're just around it. We're like in the dark and get to play around. It's kind of like our version of of uh, creativity that the, the actual service wasn't providing for us. Was it all your music playing then just self-taught? Joel, you, I think, well, our mom tried to give us like lessons, each of us. And yeah. when it's your parent, it's not easy to learn from them because it's like, mom, uh, yeah, I just want to go play or something. So I didn't ever learn to read music and I just played by ear and just kind of at a certain point, I think my mom saw that I could still play well if I did it my way, but it was just a weird way where I would play, there would be different things that I'd play um, classical pieces for, and I didn't read the music. She would just play the song and then I would listen to it, listen back and learn it that way. That's kind of how I developed. Yeah, I, I, mine was a mix. I tried to learn drums, but then I was just not good enough and and you can only learn so much i was i had such bad form i was doing stuff that was wrong and then she encouraged me to take drum lessons i thought it was a good idea i did and they fixed a lot of the like kind of rudimentary type stuff it it was not fun in the beginning i was just like playing on a drum pad and doing these little patterns and i'm like this like i want to be you know whatever the coolest drummer is like i want that to be me and but i i'm so glad that she encouraged me to take lessons because I was able to learn proper form. And then after a period of taking lessons, I would just kind of learn on my own. And then I went back again for another round of lessons to try to get better. So without, I needed the lessons because it's too ADHD and, and uh, all over the place. And actually Daniel just found all these videotapes of us as kids. And my, like my first attempt at being in a band and it was just so bad, like <laughs> just so bad being so clueless, not having self-awareness, and thinking that you're trying to do something so awesome and just overplaying and everyone's overplaying and it just sounds like a mess of instruments but it was more like the, my imagination and dream to want to perform and be a uh you know whatever popular musician or in a popular band like that was what was driving me and it just took so long to kind of work out all the like you know just sloppy drumming and bad form and it just took years to kind of figure that out so all the bands that i was in prior to bliss nova was all iterations of my improvement as a drummer and so i can listen back now and be like oh i, I can start to see where things shifted and i started to become better as a drummer by playing with like a click track and over and over and over practicing and stuff so eventually kind of figured it out what music influences did you have growing up that formulated your sound now for bliss nova any bands or musicians that really inspired you growing up or even now? So we had a limited, we had limited access to all of music growing up because the nature of a religious kind of environment where um, most of the stuff is going to be explicitly re religious music. So there would be moments driving home, you know, when I first got my license and I'd listened to 88.3 WXUT, they had some world music hour. And so I just kind of was exploring all these different types of things. And I just loved, I didn't really have a sense of genre. It was just, I liked it or I didn't like it. So that's probably a big part of the music that I was getting into. And then I'm just on the internet, just going on Wikipedia. I remember discovering Brian Eno and being like, ah, ambient music. And then looking up like Laraji, a fellow collaborator, and just kind of going from there and just exploring a ton. And so it's kind of hard to say specific bands that led to this 
sound that we do, but really it's just an openness to trying something a little bit different that informs any time that I write. I'm always just, what's, am I, am I saying something in the lyrics and in the music that I haven't quite said before? Can I surprise myself in some way and be open to um, how this thing shapes up? And that's always my approach whenever I'm trying to write. So yeah, I don't know about you, Joel, what kind of music? So, oh man, so many bad Christian <laughs> bands growing up. So just my taste in music was just bad for so long. I mean, I should name some of those, just Creed. I own Creed CDs, would blast that. I love Dave Matthews Band. Those That was when I was like in high school, you know, th those bands were cool. And I think it bled into my, you know, I don't know how far into my early 20s, but I think it started shifting into more interesting music in my 20s for sure. Um, but yeah, lots of bad Christian music. But I was always sneaking, listening to, you know, Kiss FM or 89X, because at that point, without like the internet and everything has advanced so much, you know, with like Spotify, but back then you're just, you're limited to the radio and then whatever you're exposed to on the radio, if you like those bands, you can go buy a CD and take a gamble on the rest of the tracks, you know? So I did that a lot. I was buying used CDs constantly. Um, what I had is a collection of Christian music that if my parents opened it, they'd be like, okay, you're good. And then I had a hidden one, a booklet, CD booklet of all the bad stuff that I shouldn't have. And occasionally I would get, you know, those taken away. And my mom would like, here's the best part. She'd put a random CD on like Incubus or something. And it'd be like a track that says a lot of things that are like disturbing to, you know, what a Christian parents would, would want their kids to be listening to. And then I get home and she'd be sitting there with it almost as if like I wrote the song, like, how could you, how could you? And I'm like, what? I don't even remember like these parts that you're referencing. You know, it's not like I wrote it. And it, it's just thinking that this bad stuff is going into your head. So I, we were always battling with with that. It's like sneaking around to discover music. But once I got, you know, into my 20s and 30s, it was like iterations from like indie rock to more like electronic type stuff. And when we were starting Bliss Nova, I was pretty, you know, into all the like Toro y Moi, Washed Out, those sorts of artists were like hitting at that time. And um I was making a shift more it's like electronic stuff and then daniel has tons of different influences we just sort of kind of melded all of what we were into uh collectively and started coming up with ideas so then going to bliss nova two questions how would you describe well first of all what's where the name come from and then how would you describe your sound then adjectives that you would use for anyone who's never listened to it before i remember we were throwing around ideas for band names and what it usually looks like is various text messages or emails with just things that all kind of, some of them are similar. And for whatever reason, I was really hooked on Icelandic, the um, like word bless. I think I'm, it's been too long, but I think it means thank you or, or something like that. And I just, I really liked the sound of the word and then maybe some of what the word could signify. I was kind of thinking in that, realm and then bliss is kind of right next door and i liked the idea of the like it sounds like happiness and an explosion of happiness or something but also it's kind of a violent thing devoid of humanity like an actual nova and i liked that idea too that there's just sort of this thing that looks like an art project to us from way over here but if you're actually there you wouldn't be there for very long because it's not hospitable or habitable and 
I always have enjoyed the uh, dialectic between like extreme happiness and extreme sadness because you can easily go from one to the other. It's something could twist one little change and and that may, that's maybe what makes life interesting. And so I, I even in the lyrics, a lot of the things that I write with, I don't know, you could go through probably all the songs, but especially the first EP, it seems like it's a positive thing, but then there's this undercurrent that's maybe a negative thing or vice versa. And so I felt like the name captured that kind of cosmic awareness that includes the good and the bad parts, the human and the natural parts. Yeah, I remember throwing around just a bunch of different words and then those ended up sticking and you know it when you see it, you know, it just felt like the right. Um, describing the sound is a trickier one, but I think you described it actually pretty well at the beginning, like ethereal sounds with some groovy, you know, backbone there's definitely a lot of that like groove stuff you can dance to it there's like ambient and melodic elements there's nothing too over the top but you know there we'll experiment a little bit through, within like kind of the generalized pop structure you know verse chorus verse and, and bridge and stuff like that but we started to try different things over the last couple of years we we like the we've liked the idea of doing eps where it's sort of like a sampler like we try a couple different styles not even within a certain sound we just try like a couple different things and put it out as an ep which that's a way for us to try stuff and see how it how does this look on us you know we've we have a general sound but what if we tried this on see how this feels and we're, we're continuing to do that all the time can you describe your music make, making process then is it lyrics before music is it at the same time because yeah i'm just curious to hear how you two specifically it all starts with Daniel, but and he could tell you that his process where he starts. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't because it's a process, it's never finished. So even today, I'm thinking about how do I do something with this thing that my imagination just brought to me? And I've gotten better at it. But I think that a lot of times for the things that end up being Bliss Nova things, it is music first and it's uh kind of a loop, like a feeling that I can actually put on a loop and listen back to and add in the elements that go from the kind of lower kind of earth-based like rhythmic things up to the ethereal higher kind of melodic stuff. So if I feel like all of the enough things are being covered in that loop as I'm listening to it, then I may hear some other parts and add in, maybe extend it out a little bit and then hear, oh, this is where it could go into maybe a dynamically more subdued part that would end up being a verse or um, maybe there's some little thing I get distracted, some fun noise and it becomes something that's in the intro or it's a little production thing that comes and sweeps through. So it's, it's usually the feeling of the sounds that I'm, I start to piece together and it could start with just in my head, a little rhythm or something. And then I try to either pull up the computer or pull out my phone and, put something in the voice memo but there are times where I may have a lyric or something and it's basically just a little poem and it's very simple so that it's understandable to me it's there's something that just kind of it feels like a truth to me and it's in a way that I can understand it but then in a way it's simple enough that once you hear it then there's a lot more that you could continue to pull from it and that's usually where I try to land and maybe why we kind of work within that pop structure so that it's more understated but uh, once I get it to a place where I feel like the sound is good and then I have something that feels meaningful and true to me, 
lyrically that is also kind of fitting with the music or sometimes juxtaposing with the music so that it is doing that undercurrent thing, you know, when I can get something to a place that it feels like there's a full circle there where if you listen to it, you can hear what, what that structure is. Then I pass it along to Joel. And from that point, I don't know, you tell me, Joel, what's what do you do when I send you an email that says like such and such demo dot wave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it's always my me trusting my ears and like either I'm into it or I'm not. And sometimes there's like an in-between where I'm like, I'm not sure about this one. Let's put it on the shelf for now. But it, it is a thing where I don't ever want to, like I have to sit with it usually, it, but I trust my first listen. Like there's something here and either I really love it or more needs to be done on it. But it's usually just me giving feedback, kind of saying I like this part and this part here kind of loses me or you know, more needs to be done on this track, but it's headed in the right direction or... I'm not sure about this one. I don't know where it sits. Let's just hold off, put it in the demo folder, leave it in the demo folder. But there's a lot of back and forth and then talking about the idea. And as time goes on, it becomes more clear. I start to have maybe vision for it. Like I can really see this being one that is a stronger track for us. We should focus on it. Uh, Then we start collaborating with producer, engineer, and kind of getting into the, you know, more weeds of the track and cutting stuff up and figuring out what we should do and tracking drums and you know all that fun stuff but yeah daniel usually he just gets it as far as he can and sends it to me and then we just kind of take it from there going back and forth what lasting impression do you want your music to leave for listeners if they if if they if you you can impart one type of feeling or one type of some some kind of energy what would you want to leave joel do you want to start this one and then I'll it's it's too good of a question I don't think I have like (laughs) all right I think uh some enjoyment that I get out of or or fulfillment or feeling of purpose that I get is by my being vulnerable and putting something out there where there's some you know artistry to it in the sense of I fashion something into something that someone could take and look at and think about and um maybe integrate just like I've done with a lot of great art. Um, If I can do a fraction of that, then I feel like someone will experience what I did, which is you connect with someone. They don't even have to be alive still. You can come across an album from a long time ago and someone is speaking to you and it's almost like they are speaking your thoughts. So it makes you feel not alone. Even if you are alone, it's like we're alone together. And I love that um, openness to kind of give someone something to be like it's not perfect but this is sincere and it's and there's a longing there's there's um kind of an interest in the world like the word interest means to be like within to exist in the middle of and we all find ourselves there we don't choose to be born we we're in the middle of life we're doing things stuff is always going on but when you can kind of uh reflect a little bit in that moment then and do it in a way that is what you might call like sublimation, like t- taking the existing material of life and reforming it into something that becomes like a little piece of art for you. And it it doesn't have to be judged according to some objective standard. It's It has value intrinsically because you made it and you put your time and effort into it. And then to share that with someone, it feels good for me. But then I know that when I've been 
given something, it's a gift to have someone share their vulnerability and their unique singular perspective on the world. And so that's, that's what I'd like to give to other people. Yeah. For me, I don't, I try not to think about what someone else's relationship with the songs are because I want it to be their own and for them to have their own experience with it. But I will say like, so there, so I don't have like some super intentional desire for it to be something, but when we play shows and I observe what people's experiences are, that gives me the purpose because without it, it's just our own ideas. And it's a lot more special when someone, when other people are involved and they're like, we're now a part of it and we're giving life to these songs that it, it rounds out the experience more. And so when I observe people's relationship with our music, what I love to see is how everyone responds either similarly or differently. And this might be reading into it too much, but I do think like whoever your fans are, your people that that love your music, come out to support you is in some way a reflection, our reflections of yourselves. So there's something that you're sharing together. That's maybe hard to articulate exactly what it is. And it doesn't really have to be articulated, but it's a very special experience. And a lot of the people feel like people that are all maybe either misfits or they don't fit into the traditional ways of doing things. They're, they're, there's, they're maybe like, maybe they're going through depression or maybe they're um, like, everyone comes in with their baggage and their experiences. I feel like they're people that the church reject, you know, where they're like, everyone needs to look and act the same within this establishment. And that's the way we grew up. Everyone needs to look and act the same and follow these rules. And we were inherently going against that. Like we didn't want to do that. We were always like, let's play music and get in trouble. Um, not get in trouble, like anything crazy, but we were like, we don't want to follow the rules. And so I feel like a lot of people that show up for us, I'm like, yeah, these are the people that the church would reject. So we'll have our own church and we'll transport these people into our own world that we created that we get to essentially feel and be and, and experience. And all of us are humans and we all love each other. It's a safe place. You can dance, you can move around freely. And there's that sort of environment that's like, for me, where I like, that is my experience with it. And I, I love to see other people show up and dance and feel good. And then afterwards talk about, oh, I really needed that. Like that felt really good. I'm like, so did I, honestly, I needed that too, so. The sense of vulnerability and freedom that your music can bring to other people to be themselves, giving them a space to be themselves. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So from your live performances, what has been your favorite moment? Yeah, I mean, just in general, that just what Joel was describing there, that kind of moment is what's coming to mind. But then I can think of a number of shows and a number of venues and a number of states that there's just... It's a very brief recognition, as even while I'm singing and playing and seeing Joel over there playing and seeing everyone, or sometimes very few people, but still like somebody is into it. And it really only takes one other person um, to take it from being a practice to being a show, someone that's enjoying it. And uh, in those little brief moments, I think there's that recognition and I maybe I ac- actually smile or sometimes it's just kind of an internal smile, but I just... I feel like I'm resonating from like I showed up and someone else showed up and we're both resonating in this thing. There's been uh, the one show in New York we did. um, It was end of 2019. 
I think, right, Joel? And uh, with Erica Spring, um, actually a couple of New York shows because the energy was so high. I, yeah, th- this is a great one, Joel. You can describe your experience of this, but we were rushing to get to play at this extremely tiny, extremely packed place. It was like snowing and hailing and oh, all these yeah. things. And it ended up being a great thing, but we had to work through this, like being in the lowest of low and having all of our gear, like that running was like the us. ambitious. Let's, let's hit the road and prove what we've been working on can <laughs> translate in other cities. So we took on the most challenging place, like New York city in the like oh. cold. And, you know, we're trying to push our stuff down the street. And it's a thing where it's like, we're going to give you guys a, like a short slot, but you got it. You have like five minutes to sound check and, whatever like you're you're there's very little support it's just new york like you just so a couple of ohio boys pushing our stuff down the street and jumping like, over I, trash bags all <laughs> of all of the gear that i was pushing fell into the street and no one's there to help you and i'm like i fucking i don't know if i could say the f word but but i was like i quit i quit dude i'm done i hate this and it was Sometimes I have those moments, but then immediately something comes rushing in of like, actually, you know what? I'm not quitting. I'm pushing through. You know, I kind of had those moments. But anyways, we got all set up and played and it was, it just felt so I was like out of body experience. You know, there's no time to really get anything right. You're just going up and just plugging in like go. And so seeing people respond positively and really and they're all strangers. We don't know anybody um, that one. And then there was one with Erica Spring that you're talking about was a couple of years later. Again, a New York thing. But right off of a new album release and someone that we had collaborated with on one of our songs who we respected a lot came out to sing with us on that song and she's from new york so it was really cool to see that and a bunch of our friends and other people showed up we found out we have some really solid fans in new york that felt special but that whole year really because that we put out an album it was right before unknowingly we were heading into a pandemic and we did a big hometown show for our album release at the end of 2019. And it was wall to wall packed. Like to feel that energy again, you know, it felt special in the moment, but you're so focused on what you're performing that it's hard to, t- to understand what you just experienced. And I think about that show a lot because it felt so special. You know, it's one of those ones that for me is like the ultimate experience. It's probably the best show we've ever played. We were able to just fully do our own thing, our own light show. We brought all this stuff. We put a lot of work into it. Everybody showed up for us. Everyone was having the time of our lives. And I've run into people that have talked about that show to me. They're like, there was something about that night. Like the energy in that place was special, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I felt that too. So that one was probably it. I want to see you perform live. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> you were Johnny. Let me know. I'm there. I'll be your dancing girl. I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we we're now down to like only a few shows a year because the pandemic just took all of our momentum yeah. and we had to rebuild that. And it kind of helped us though rethink how we want to do things. And it, it it does feel a lot more special when we do less shows uh, and put more effort into those shows. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, I was gonna say any um, new music or new projects coming out you want to share that you're working on. Yeah, yeah I mean we have qu- yeah quite a few. I put out. A solo ambient thing, uh, end of 2021, I think it was. So that was, you know, unexpected pandemic and everything. But once again, it's one of those things where it's like, I quit. You feel like I don't know where to go, what to do with all this. But then something, I liked how Joel described it, like something comes back. It, 
even and especially in that moment that you kind of redefine why you're doing what you're doing. And for me, that included this other aspect that had up to that point just been something I do in my free time and my alone time. And no one knows about this, these types of tracks that I'm making. But um, Joel was really supportive with bringing that part out. And it was informing Bliss Nova up to that point. But I think it just adds more, the more that I'm able to kind of share those different aspects of the types of music that I enjoy making, the more I feel confident going back into writing new stuff. And that's kind of where I'm at now with having put that out and then having written a number of songs that at some point I'll release. I've I've put a few up, uh, the demos, and kind of have my own like daily writing practice where I just wanted to be used to the idea of making something, putting it out there and be okay with that and not worry about where's it going to go? What is it supposed to do? And in doing that, I've been able to explore types of music where it's it's less about, does this fit into the legacy and the discography? And more just, um, the, there's a Orson Welles quote where he said he prefers experimenting to accomplishments. And that's kind of how I feel. Like I, I've, we've, we've had some accomplishments, I guess, meager accomplishments in the grand scheme of things. And that's okay because I think every project that we do, we're always trying something that we haven't done before and stretching ourselves just beyond what we're capable of, which allows us to grow into that. And so we've got another song that uh, will be coming out in the next couple of months, perhaps with a fun collaborator. And then beyond that, there's so many songs to work with. It's a good problem to have to kind of see to not really know where you're going to go because we're not going to write the same EP or album again. We have our work cut out for us, just lots of ideas. But like Daniel said, there is a new song that we have done and we just got to, we're going to put it out in a few months. So that'll be cool. And then his Shores of Echo project kind of inspired me to start a record label. So I now have an independent label. I'm working with some other artists and Daniel's collaborating with one of those artists. So there's lots of little projects that are going to balloon out of this. And I even started a podcast as well that features artists. So we're, we're busy in the, in this world of, you know, music and creating stuff. And it's allowed us, the last couple of years have allowed us to to try on new things. And I I feel like had we have not taken that pause, you know, I don't know that any of these things would have ended up happening. So there's always, I guess, a silver lining with, with changes that happen in your life, you know? So your individual music journey, Daniel, is Shores of Echo, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then your record is, is Magic Moods, Magic Mood? Yeah, Magic Mood is my uh, is the label and I'm yeah. kind of expanding it into, I have a lot of ideas for it, but I don't put it this way. It won't just be a regular record label. I'm going to do a lot of other unique sorts of things with it. Like the podcast is one of them. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are our I other didn't things. I did see what, what else you guys come up with and I'll be checking in, listening, like sharing, <laughs> spreading the word, spreading the word. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's helpful. And I, honestly, Daniel and I haven't sh- really sharpened this, the sort of kind of talking about Bliss Nova in a minute. So thank you for uh, letting us do that with you. Yes. You're, you're very good at this. I enjoyed, like I said, the uh, Joni, uh, who's my girlfriend, that yes. episode you did with her. That was good. Um, so. Shout out to Joni. No, she's great to talk to. I love talking to her. Well, you have two listeners n- now on your podcast. Two, not <laughs> two total, not two total, two new listeners. Yeah, yeah I just have two. No, <laughs> you have your only two listeners now. Uh, <laughs> um, so before we wrap up, I want to ask some rapid fire questions. Ready? 
Oh boy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's say this, Daniel, you take each one first and I'll follow. I'll do it. Think about it then. Okay. Um, number one, favorite song to dance to at the moment. Ooh, um, that's a tough question. Uh, I've been listening to some live improvisational things. There's one, um, I think it was actually Laraji. I mentioned earlier that he collaborated with a group that it has a lot of energy where you don't really know where it's going to go but it's got like solid beats and I think there's some live instrumentation as well. And yeah, just stuff in that world where it's not your normal dance stuff, but it's something that kind of moves you because when they're recording it, they don't necessarily know where they're going. And so it's kind of nice to be taken on that journey. Joel. I don't, I, there's too many things, but I will say one artist that I got to see him live is Chanel Trez. And he has these backing dancers with him live and it's so much fun. Like it's it, his music is uh, I'm obsessed. He's great music to dance to. So it's not one song necessarily, but his music in general, Chanel Trez. That's my answer. Instrument you wish you could play. Oh, theremin. I've played on one, but I want to own one. The theremin okay. is great. What can you describe? I have no idea what that is. What is that? Yeah, it's actually the first electronic instrument and it, it was I think made in the early 1900s. It is a hands-free instrument. So it's going by the frequencies put out and it's kind of like a pole, like a metal pole that you put your hand near and it was like, you know, and then you can change kind of the dynamic, kind of the opening and closing of the sound. So if you have it just right, you can play very intricate parts and make it sound like human voice with vibrato and everything. But it kind of also was used in like, uh, alien sci-fi stuff in like the 50s and all that so you it has an it, eerie ethereal sound yeah if you youtube that you'll know you'll be like oh that's what that's called you'll yeah, know the you'll sound know. too yeah yeah that's that's a tough thing because i, I remember when i was getting a tour of uh moog whatever however you say it moog uh mm-hmm. their factory they had the theremin and they were saying like only a certain amount of people know how to play this like professionally it's a small number it's a very hard thing so of course you'd pick that one uh <laughs> i I think for a while I wanted to play guitar, like acoustic guitar, electric guitar, whatever. I guess the electric guitar seems like such a cool thing to learn. Um, so it'd probably be that, but I just don't have the any of what it takes to, to do that. I'm stuck in drummer land. But <laughs> <laughs> Toledo's best kept secret. I can answer this one, Daniel. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to say Toll House, which I'm headed there actually right after this. Okay. Uh, what a special place. I'm I'm so impressed with what the owner uh, Will has done with that spot. It's, it's it's something that Toledo is there's nothing like it in the city and I feel like people are still finding out about it but that's my go-to. Okay. I think I would uh say Dream Louder um Ben and Sam and kind of the group of people um surrounding oh, them great, with heavy color answer. and and then I guess attached to that, you could also throw in Bucci Mama's kombucha, uh, Stacy, Ben's oh. wife. <laughs> Dream artist that you would like to collaborate with? There are so many. Um, to narrow it is difficult. I have an answer. You give your answer and I'll think about it for a minute. Okay, so I, I would say Chaz from Toro y Moi, just to do a track with him, like where he could take a verse help write the song produce it just you know whatever the extent of it i think uh that would be it for me that's my answer i'll go with 
Um, it go, I, I don't know. I think it's Luke Temple or Art Feynman. He goes by a couple of different artist names. But uh, a couple of years ago, it was during the pandemic, actually, um, I took a little songwriting class on Zoom with like a group of people with him. He was the visiting teacher. And it allowed me to approach writing songs in a completely different way than I had before, where I had to have something to show to somebody in a very short amount of time, kind of like, here's a prompt and then we'll see you tomorrow kind of thing. And I really loved that. And uh, he popped in on a few of the small groups where we were sharing our songs. And so he like was able to hear my song and had a nice thing to say about it. And so to like work with him, I know that he, he works with artists all the time. So that one is, uh, yeah, that's a dream. Dreams. Yeah. It's just a little bit beyond of where we currently are. So yeah, we'll grow into I it. I like achievable dreams. Yeah. Favorite film or TV show if you're not into films. Ooh. Just for fun. I don't know. I, could, I couldn't pick one film, but TV show might be a little bit easier. I I mean, I think the best TV show ever is, is Breaking Bad, but my favorite current show is Succession. My favorite film is The Straight Story by David Lynch. My dad's a huge David Lynch fan. Yep. It's my favorite of his. Uh, and it's maybe it's the obvious choice because it's not the obvious choice. It's very different than all of his other films. It's on Disney. And um, it feels like a Disney film if you weren't really paying attention. But it's so well written. And the soundtrack is by his frequent collaborator, Angelo Badalamenti. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the perfect story. And it'll make you cry. I think I hear the soundtrack, the opening parts of the soundtrack and start openly weeping so <laughs> are you a twin peaks fan then the show yeah yep that's good music mm. it is good music yeah, yeah. i love the, that show best advice for any artists that you could say oh man what's coming to mind is do what you can today i think mine would be just no matter how much work it takes or how long it takes try to discover what your voice is because that's the main differentiator of of what an artist's work even is is their voice so finding their voice and being comfortable vulnerable enough to do that really that was really good and then lastly when you're not busy with everything you're doing what do you have to do for yourself all right i'll take this one i don't even have to do stuff for yourself no (laughs) nope i just Hit the off switch and stand in the corner. <laughs> uh, no, I, I do a lot. Um, I love to read. I read all the time. Okay, wait, I have to ask. Last great book you read. This is a side question now that you like to read. Yeah, um, I'll keep it extremely short for the for this because I could we could do a separate podcast. But uh, Phenomenology of Spirit by Hegel. It's a philosophy book, but it's and it's a very difficult book to write because or to read because it was it seems like a very difficult book to write. He's not a great writer. He even says in the preface that writing a preface to this kind of thing is impossible. But what it goes to show is that even when something's impossible, you can still try to like work through and it will the process itself will change what the thing is. So he eventually gets to the place after working through like starting off with okay, I'm here right now and then he sort of problematizes like well, there's this now but then there's this now and then there's this now so now isn't this concrete thing right here it's actually the most abstract so he works from the most abstract thing it's kind of like opposite of what you think um it's counterintuitive and it works you all the way to the place of kind of a a way of knowing or approaching things that 
there isn't ever this complete place that you arrive to where everything makes sense and fits all together. But you do reach a place where you understand that, which means when you start back at the beginning, you have kind of a renewed from a different writer, he calls it second naivete, where it's sort of like childlike, but with a you've gone through critical distance. So you're never the same once you experience that separation from yourself and coming back around and full circle. So that's what that book is about. And it's appealed to everyone from mystics to materialists to militants. And I think it's worth um, checking out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could even get through that. I can't even get through like very basic books. I'm so bad at reading, but I did just buy a book and I'm definitely reading it. Uh, It's by Rick Rubin. It's called The Way of Being. It talks about really like artistry is, is a way of, it's every part of your life is expressing artistry. Like all of what you do is create creative. Uh, He talks about so many interesting things. I just listened to him on a podcast. So I just got the book. Haven't read it yet, but. I've heard nice things about that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Rick Rubin. The think, what was the other question you asked? What, when you're not busy, what what do you like to do for yourself? For me, it's basketball. I, I always played as a kid. I love it. I'm back to trying to play again. And if it's, if I'm not playing it, I'm watching it. So I used to play basketball. What position did you play? Me? It was like middle school though. So it was like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was, I was just not even point guard. I think I was just (laughs) defending. Just out there. I was just out there. Out there trying to get the ball and the hoop. Girls are vicious, man. They're tugging me. Yeah. That could be a rough. That could be rough. That's for sure. (laughs) I'm getting to the point where like, I want to play like I'm in my youth and realizing that I'm not, it's not it anymore, man. Like I'm playing with (laughs) younger kids and stuff, but, um, it's it's just so much fun to do that. But. Well, thank you guys for coming on. And I love just hearing about your journey and just getting to know you and your music more and like how you two work together has been really insightful. So you can yeah, follow Bliss sure. Nova at Bliss underscore Nova. You can follow Joel. This is my research that you know. You, you have Joel Y. Bill. So Joel Lee Bill. That's it. Yeah. And then you can follow Daniel at Cosmic.Sends. That's right. That's also the name of my daily blog if you want to check that out on Substack. Ah, love it. And then also you can follow Joel's record labor at Magic Mood Records. And then follow Daniel's music at Shores of Echo. And their website, blissnovamusic.com. And then make sure you check out their music on Spotify and Apple Music. I use Apple Music, so. (laughs) Nice. You were accurate with everything you said, so nice. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's cool. and. You have uh, a couple of fans now of your podcast. Thank you. Yes. Keep listening. Yes. Thank you, everyone who's been listening in, and stay tuned for another episode next month.